Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking all about what you can do with your wedding photos after the wedding. And I wanted to have as my guest, Melissa Puglis, who is a Disney bride and is also a professional framer. And so she's going to have some great ideas and some tips and some money-saving ideas for you about things you can do with your photos, besides just, of course, everybody emails and posts on Facebook. But sometimes you want something a little more permanent. And I think between the two of us, we will come up with some great ideas for you. So welcome, Melissa. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show today. First of all, can you tell me a little bit about your recent Disney wedding? Oh, sure. We got married over at the Swan in November, and it was a small ceremony, but, you know, photography was a big deal to us. And with my background in framing and my maid of honor is also a framer, and our photographer actually manages a frame shop herself, the photography and the pictures and displaying and preserving them were a big deal for us. So I'm looking forward to sharing a little of our experience on that. That's great. Yeah. And I think sometimes it can be overwhelming, especially if you have an outside photographer and you've got, you know, 2000 photos or something and you love them all and you think, what can I possibly do? I don't want to just put one on the mantle. I want to do something with all of these. So I think it'll be fun to brainstorm some ideas. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about, you've been a professional framer. Um, How did you get into that? You know, it started out as just uh, an after-school job when I was still a senior in high school at a local shop that sold frames and uh, like ready-made frames and also did custom framing. And uh, when I turned 18, I was able to legally become a framer. You can't do it before then because of all the hazardous materials, razor blades and glass and stuff like that. But so I've been doing it since 2002 and it was just so much fun that it was something I never really wanted to part with. So I just kind of kept doing it, you know, and it's a, uh, it's great to see different artwork every day and uh, get to preserve it and display it in all of these uh, really creative ways. It's just, it's a blast. Oh, and it must be fun, too, helping people decide, you know, what's the best color mat, what frame would look good with this print. I mean, it seems like it's really creative. It, it really is. And you, you would think that you, you're looking at the same colors and moldings every day, but every piece comes out different. Even, like, for a while, I worked next door to a Thomas Kincaid gallery, and I was literally seeing the same prints every day. But they all came out different in the end with their frames, you know? Interesting. Okay, cool. So let's talk about framing first, because of course, there are plenty of other ways to use your photos. But I think the first thing most people think is I have these beautiful photos, I want to put them in a frame on a wall or a mantle. So can you give us a little bit of a basic overview of what are the components of a frame? What are the types of frames someone might look into? I'd say that the first thing is how the picture is actually mounted, which is how it's set against the backing board that serves as the basis for the frame. And there's a couple different ways you can do that with photos. There's conservation mounting where it's completely reversible and 
the picture is, you can take it out of the frame and it's going to be exactly the same as when you put it in. You can also do uh, certain techniques where you adhere it to a backing board, which is, it makes it look a little more flat. It won't pucker or anything over time, but you also can never take that off of that backing board. From there, you have the mats that you put over the top of it, and that basically, that, that gives you a nice colorful border and can also make the overall frame look larger. And it sort of enhances the picture because you can add different colors to pull out certain things from the photo. And it also, the, the main purpose of the mat is to keep the picture off of the glass because glass is an amorphous solid that can actually stick to the picture over time if it's pressing right up against it. So it's, you know, the mat, they look pretty, but they're also really for preservation. And then you've got the glass in the frame itself, which is usually either metal or wood. Okay, so that's interesting to me because I've always heard that you need to use acid-free mat board or else it will eventually leach into the photo. Is that something that all places use or should people ask about it when they're getting something framed? It's pretty much the industry standard. I don't know of anybody who carries mats that aren't acid-free. But it's something that if you're concerned about, I'd ask, especially if it's, you know, like a mom and pop kind of place and they sort of do things in old fashioned way, then you can ask. But I, I really don't know anybody that uses anything other than acid free mats and backing and conservation glass with a UV filter and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. UV filter was the other thing I wanted to ask about because I had our wedding invitations. We had an invitation for the wedding and then we had a different colored version of it for the at home reception we did. And I put what I was told was UV glass in the frame and they totally faded. So did I just put it in backwards or is UV glass not really that effective or are there different varieties of it? There are different varieties of it. I'm kind of surprised to hear that though. I know that UV glass, it, it doesn't completely block UV. They usually say that there's something like 97% effective, but whether it's in a, like one direction or another shouldn't really affect its effectiveness as, the, as far as the filter is concerned. So that surprises me. Were these professionally framed? Could maybe they have just accidentally put in the wrong glass? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I did get the glass from a friend who is a framer, and maybe he accidentally gave me the wrong kind or something. That could be. I do know of a couple shops that keep just plain glass on hand, just as a cost-cutting measure. Some people don't want to spring for the UV filter if it's something that they're not going to have up for more than a few years. But um, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm sorry to hear that that happened to your invitations. Luckily, I saved like a hundred of them, so <laughs> they can be replaced. <laughs> okay, cool. Now, what should people be thinking about when they are choosing a frame? Because it seems like there's either the idea that you pick a very simple frame so that the photo is the showcase, but then some things, you see these frames and they're so ornate, they're practically a work of art themselves. Do you have suggestions there? I think that that depends a little bit on your personal taste and the style of decor you have in your home. I kind of think about everything from the house's architecture to the colors of your walls to the furniture that you have when I suggest frames because I think that, I mean, Technically, you know, when, when working in frame shops, we actually have licenses that call us a furniture retailer because it is a piece of furniture that goes on your wall. So I think that matching not only the piece but the room is kind of a nice way to do it because your photo is going to stand out no matter what's around it unless you have a totally hideous clashing frame. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what we're looking at price-wise? Because I know a lot of people are sort of 
sticker shocked when they find out how much custom framing can be? Like I said, it's like a piece of furniture. <laughs> I would say that it, de- it depends greatly on the size of the piece. Most couples, when they're framing a wedding portrait, you're talking about something that's at least an eight by 10, possibly much larger. And I have sold custom frames that were everywhere from like $80 up to four or 500. Mm. Um, I'd say that for like the average size, 11 by 14 or 16 by 20, you're probably looking at somewhere in the 250 to $350 range most of the time. Wow. Okay. And then I guess leading on from that, what are some ways to cut costs? I mean, I've cut my own mats before, but not everybody's going to want to buy a mat cutter or learn how to do all that. Are there some simple things you can do to reduce the price or some alternative ways to frame? The biggest factors in determining the cost of the, uh, the framing are the size of the picture and the ornateness of the frame. Metal frames are always going to be the least expensive as far as, you know, cost cutting on the, the frame molding itself. Another thing to consider, I know most people like the look of doing matting around the picture, but if you don't, that really cuts down on the size of the piece. It cuts down on the size glass you have to use and how much molding you need in inches. So you could actually, instead of using a mat to keep the picture off the glass, they can just put in spacers underneath the glass. And that will keep the picture, you know, a good like quarter inch away from the glass so that there's some breathing room for it. And that way you're not making the the frame too much larger. Um, I'd say those are the two biggest things. You know, every framer will try to sell you like three or four mats because that's what we think looks best. But you can do one or two as well. And that can cut down on the price too. So you're talking about double matting, whereas instead of just having one piece of mat board between the glass and the photo, you might have two or three that create levels where each one is cut away a little bit more. So you have these borders created by the multiple mats. Exactly. Yeah. A double matting will give you like a little stripe of color underneath the main mat that's on the top. That's cool. And then isn't there something called like a V groove or something where they cut it just to expose the color underneath or something? There sure is. Yeah. Most mats have a really crisp white core. And so doing a V groove can kind of give you the effect of a double mat. It's like a little indentation into the mat that carves out so that some of that crisp white shows. It's sort of hard to explain without having a a visual illustration. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it almost looked, it's almost like somebody took an exacto or something. And I've seen some really elaborate ones where they cut maybe a swirly pattern at the corners and then straight down the sides. And so it looks like pinstriping or like you say, like a, a stripe of the white on the colored mat, but you didn't have to pay for an extra mat. Right. Yeah. And you can do some pretty cool stuff with the, uh, the handheld V groove tools. That's neat. Now, Are there some other ways then to display framed pictures? I'm thinking of canvas where you just have it printed by a professional service or by a professional framer on a piece of canvas and stretched over stretcher bars and then foam core mounting. I guess that's another way you can do it. Foam core mounting, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend without having a frame around it because that foam core is pretty, you know, it can warp over time and uh, it's it's pretty sensitive. I mean, if you kind of ding it while you're dusting, it's going to be dented. But there are other things you can do. Canvas transfers are really popular. 
There's also certain services where they'll mount onto, they'll actually transfer onto like a piece of metal or wood, Mm. and those can be pretty cool, especially because all of those things usually come with uh, some kind of a UV protection over the top of them, Mm. which eliminates the need to use glass. And you can put a frame on them if you want to, but you don't have to. So yeah, that can definitely cut down on the cost quite a bit. That's interesting. I noticed that Disney Photographic Services offers an option where they're mounted on gator board. Is that the same as foam core or is that better? That's a little bit more stiff and something I'd I'd probably still put a frame around gator board, but it's a little bit better than foam core for preserving and and making sure that it's on a, a little bit more structurally sound of a backing. Interesting. Okay. Well, now let's talk about some ideas we can give my listeners about other ways to display photos besides just framed and hung on the wall. Um, The one I always like to share that we hit on, I don't know if we read it in a magazine or whatever, but we painted our hall wall with about five coats of magnetic paint, and then we painted it the regular color over top. And then we took these super strong rare earth magnets so that we could just take printed photos and hang them on the wall with magnets instead of having to frame them, which meant we had more wall space so we could put up more photos and we could change them around whenever we wanted. And boy, we just moved and I sure miss our magnetic wall already. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool, especially because you can swap out photos as, as you and your family grow and change and, and as you maybe get tired of some pictures and want to put up others. So I think that's a really neat idea. There's also some collage frames that you can buy ready-made if you want to just do little 4 by 6 or 5 by 7 pictures that you can kind of pop the pictures in and out of there as time goes on. There's also some poster frames and things like that where the picture will just be kind of sandwiched between two pieces of plexiglass or regular glass, and those tend to be pretty inexpensive. None of those methods really preserve pictures very well, though, and that's always my biggest concern because, if, you know, framing does display your artwork, but more than that, like, its first objective is to preserve the photos so that they last for a long time. That's a good point, yeah, that the actual physical photo is being preserved, not just displayed. Right. Yeah. And it it depends on your decorating style. Some people swap out pictures every few years. And so in those cases, it may not be such a big concern. But if it's something that you want to have up for for several decades, and some people do, especially if they've got one favorite wedding portrait, then that's something that you would probably want to invest in the, uh, you know, the acid free matting, the UV glass and all of that good stuff. Interesting. Okay. So what are some other ways to use your photos or to group them or display them that isn't necessarily just putting a picture on the wall? I think the first thing I think of is an album. And from that, of course, there are flush mount albums where they stick an actual photo on a piece of board, I guess it is. They mount it. And so the photos are mounted inside a book. And then there are the coffee table style books like you get from Blurb and Snapfish and places like that where it's like reading a book except your pictures are printed in it. Do you have any suggestions for places people can research doing things like that? I love MPix, especially for photo books. I think that they have a great service and their paper quality is wonderful. So I always recommend them. And I do like the uh, the coffee table style bound books. I think that those are really cool. And I love that that's sort of a really become a very uh, cost-effective option in the last maybe 10 years or so. I remember when we first started doing them, 
we would have to sell books like that for like $500, wow. but now it's really reasonable. So I always recommend that. And also uh, digital photo frames for something, you know, that you want to just maybe stick on an end table or something like that. Those are really cool because it can scroll through hundreds or even thousands of pictures. And I think those are a lot of fun. And you can also take those digital screens and frame them too if you want to put like a more decorative ornate frame around it. Oh, that's a good idea. I mean, you can even DIY it, I bet. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's cool. And I'm glad to hear you recommend MPix because I remember when The Roots told me that that's the consumer arm of Miller Labs, which does most wedding photographers' prints. I investigated them, and yeah, I've always been really happy with the quality of their photos. So that's cool. And there's also, you know, there's photo sharing websites, too, if you want to share with your friends and family. I recommend using Picasa or Flickr if you want to do something like that because you can password protect those albums if you want to and there you know there are ways I think with Picasso that you can have other people upload to the same the same album if everybody's uh, taking pictures at your wedding and you want to share them from a bunch of different people's cameras I also I really like Instagram now that everybody's got their iPhones out taking pictures at weddings you can do like a special hashtag that has maybe your initials and your wedding date so that everybody's uploading with the same hashtag and you can look through those. That's a lot of fun. That's a great idea. Now, this is something that I, a question I see pop up from time to time on the message boards and the various Facebook groups. Do you think that there's a time limit on displaying wedding photos? Um, I, I don't really think that there is. It's something that's a huge part of your life. And honestly, your marriage is a part of your identity. So I don't think that there's a time limit on displaying wedding photos. Definitely not in your home. I've heard people say no more than a year for your like Facebook profile photo or, and things like that. But I don't agree with that either. I mean, <laughs> when do you look better than your wedding day? Those pictures. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, that's good to hear because, yeah, I found that I, I thought I would have ours up forever, but especially with the magnet wall, over time, I just started paring them down and, you know, maybe just refining to a few selects. And then as we got more like anniversary photos and stuff, swapping those out and it just sort of naturally trickled down. But I think I'm always going to have some up. Well, yeah, you'll always have your favorites, but, you know, your family grows. You guys kind of, I mean, grow up, I want to say. You know what I mean? There's right. other events that you want to commemorate, too. But I think that there's always a spot for, especially for that one favorite. Right, right. Well, this is great stuff, Melissa. Is there any place online where my listeners can go to see your work or read about your wedding? I have a few photos up right now on our website. It's HyperionPapers.com. I haven't gotten the majority of my pictures back from our photographer yet, but I should have more up after the holidays. Great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I think you've offered a lot of great ideas for people who are wondering what to do with those bazillion photos they got from their wedding photographer, and I appreciate your taking the time. Well, thank you, Carrie. I had a lot of fun. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at Passporter.com weddings.asp or in print at Passporter.com and Amazon.com.